As of Monday, May 2nd, an arrest warrant has been issued for Vicki Sue White, who is an assistant director of corrections in Alabama. The warrant is for facilitating the escape of a capital murder suspect, Casey Cole White. They were last seen on Friday around 9.40 a.m. Director White transported a suspect from the jail to a supposed mental health evaluation at the Lauderdale County Courthouse. Investigators discovered later that there was no evaluation scheduled. By 3.30 in the afternoon, they were aware that Vicki was missing, as well as the suspect. It is now believed that she facilitated in his escape. The U.S. Marshals have issued a $10,000 reward for any information that leads to the arrest of Vicki or of Casey. Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my sister, co-host and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey everybody. How's it going? It's going great. Excellent. uh, I'm having lots of fun with my new crystal shop and I don't know, it's a very interesting week in the true crime world, I gotta say. Yeah, it is. stuff going on right now that I'm like, like oh this covering today. It's <laughs> so weird. Oh, it's just a really heavy energy week, too. It is. Yeah, it is. And just like I'm a little concerned about people that are slightly on the edge might be even further on the edge. Yeah. Feels that way, doesn't it? Tensions are high. Yep, for sure. Very prickly week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Well, this is our Wednesday case. Yes, it is. And we're bringing a story to you guys that is, uh, you know, started playing out last Friday. But full disclosure, we're recording on Monday. And so uh, it's possible that this case, you know, maybe they'll be found by Wednesday. And if so, we'll update it in the case updates. But uh, we are recording a little. uh, We're taking a chance (laughs) recording a, a little ahead of the game. So. We'll see, uh, you know, it could happen. If it does, we'll update it. But before we get into that case, we have uh, other segments to jump into. So we'll do that first. So, Christy, right. I'm going to kick the mic over to you for a brand new segment here in uh, at, uh, True Crime Paranormal. I was going to say the true crime world, but I think it's True Crime Paranormal. Uh, this is the uh, True Crime Update. Yes. <laughs> The Jean Benet Ramsey case is one of the most famous unsolved true crime cases out there. Everybody knows Jean Benet's name. I'm showing you a picture of her right now, but you don't even need it because everybody knows what this cute little blonde sweetheart looks like. But there has been a pretty interesting action on the part of Jean Benet's dad. Mm-hmm. So Jean Benet's mother passed away. Jean Benet's dad, John Ramsey, however, is still fighting for answers in the murder of his daughter, Jean Benet Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And he has announced that he's starting a petition uh, to petition Governor Jared Polis in Colorado 
-hmm. to allow an independent agency to do some DNA testing. Mm -hmm. In this case, rather than the Boulder Police Department. Mm -hmm. Now, we know Boulder done fucked up on this case. Oh, they did. The, the, yeah. the initial investigation was not good. They did not protect the scene. It was contaminated in lots and lots of ways. And, you know, it's, um, it's been a problem for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and is probably why this case has become unsolvable. So... John Ramsey, his latest move is, let's see, here's what he told Fox News Digital. It's a petition to hopefully get the state of Colorado to intervene and have the items from the crime scene that could be tested for DNA that haven't been tested. So he specifically Mm -hmm. wants DNA evidence sent out to an independent agency, not run through the Boulder police. Mm -hmm. Uh, John also says it's going to take a lot of help to get that moving again, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, the government is very reactive and we're talking about politicians. We want them to do the right thing. Now, Mm -hmm. he made this announcement at CrimeCon 2022 in Las Vegas on Saturday, which I thought was rather interesting. Yeah. Wants to get the public charged up and put a little pressure on there. Yeah. Right. He's got 1,700 signatures on the petition already. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, Boulder police are, are guaranteeing that they're looking at new D- DNA techniques to run on the Jean Benet case. I mean, it might be time for Boulder police to just step out, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the st- One statement um, made with the governor's office says the state will review the petition and look into how the state can assist in using new technology to further investigate this cold case and to identify Jean Benet Ramsey's killer and bring him or her to justice. Mm -hmm. There's a big long response from Boulder Police, which I'm not going to share because, you know, it's it's too little too late, Boulder Police. You know, Mm -hmm. it is. I agree with John Ramsey. Why not get some fresh eyes? Why not test some things that haven't been tested? Why not go to the very best of the best? And then why not send that DNA information through the genealogical DNA pathways? You know, there's lots of stuff that can happen here. So really curious to see what does happen. But also, why doesn't the Boulder police champion that? Why don't they say, please do. Let's, yes, we could use the help. We'd appreciate it. It, Let's do it. Right. It would be the right thing to do. But all Mm -hmm. along, they've done their best to um, try to make up for the fact that they really screwed up at the beginning. But they don't really take responsibility for that either. You know, they do say that they've, you know, worked on this case forever and that they're still working on it and they still see it as a tragedy and it's something that they want to solve and blah, blah, blah. But what they don't say is, yes, we screwed up. We should Mm -hmm. probably hand this to someone else. Let's just make sure they don't say that. So we'll see when the very thing that needs to be said. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And, you know, I I feel like at this point, there is so much public pressure around this particular case. I would be surprised if the governor turns us down. I will suspect that that they'll do it, that they'll they'll get somebody else involved and, you know, 
Well, since the Boulder PD can't control their ego, the governor's just going to have to do it for them. I think so, because at this point, what matters is solving the death of this child, not saving face for Boulder PD, which frankly is, that's too little too late at this Mm -hmm. point. Uh, 100%. Yeah. So anyway, that is uh, my uh, true crime update. Found it very interesting. Okay. So I'm going to kick the mic back to you for the main case. Okay. Well, of course, we are talking today about the Vicki White, Casey White disappearance. So I'm going to back up to the beginning. On Friday, late afternoon, the police department made a statement to the Lauderdale Police Department in, or Sheriff's Office, sorry, in uh, Alabama, made a statement that one of their correctional officers was missing with a suspect who is being charged with a capital crime. And initially, it looked like perhaps she had been taken hostage, kidnapped, you know, that something nefarious had happened to Vicki. They could not fathom really anything else. Right. Vicki worked there for 25 years. She was an assistant uh, director. She had a ton of accolades under her belt. She was beloved. Nobody, everybody's favorite supervisor. She would win the supervisor of the year awards, which I got to say, I mean, that in itself is a feat. Yeah. It's easy to make everyone hate you, but it's a lot harder to, to make them love you. Supervisor. Yeah. And yet she did. And so, you know, she has, so nobody really at the beginning, they didn't want to believe that there could be anything nefarious going on here. And yet, the evidence started to mount and it started looking more and more like perhaps Vicky was actually in on this escape, which leads to the question, was there a romantic relationship here? Initially the sheriff's office said, maybe, maybe there was a threat against someone that she loved. Maybe this was, you know, something more than what we think, right? It's also looking less and less like that now. I mean, the the coordination that she has done and that all of it is her. Mm-hmm. It it just, I don't know. I, yep. There was a press conference this morning that unpacked it quite well. We aren't going to watch the whole thing, but I do want to share a, a portion of it. I'm going to share about three minutes of it and then I'll bring you up to speed. It's 20 minutes long and. It's tedious. So, but there are a few things that I think are worthwhile for us to hear. So I'm going to go ahead and pull that up. All right. I've got 1030. So we'll get started. First of all, I want to thank all of you uh, and the media for the assistance that you've been to the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office as we've uh, tried to locate uh, Casey White and our assistant director, Vicki White. Uh, you've been a tremendous asset to us and we appreciate you helping us get the word out. I also want to thank our partners, our federal and state partners. Uh, the U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force has taken the lead in trying to locate the Whites and uh, they're doing a tremendous job. Uh, they've gone over and above and uh, working diligently basically around the clock to try to locate 
Casey White and uh, Vicki White. We also have the assistance of the FBI, ATF, and Secret Service. On the state level, we have the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency assisting us. So we've got uh, plenty of resources. These federal agencies and state agencies have resources that we don't have. They've made all those resources available to us, and we're utilizing everything we have and, and have access to in this search. Um, I do have a little um, new information fast to you. I know that we've been talking over the last few days about us canvassing video surveillance uh, in the area where the patrol car was found last Friday afternoon. Uh, we did have uh, one success in that. Uh, we see the patrol car parked at the intersection of Huntsville Road and Cox Creek Parkway, which is about two blocks from the location it was found. Uh, that video was timestamped at 9.49 a.m. Director White and Casey White left the detention center at 9.41 a.m. So that's eight minutes time span. What that tells us is that the patrol car left the detention center and went straight to the parking lot. There was not enough time for them to even attempt to try to come to the courthouse uh, and then get out there and be at that red light eight minutes later. So the, the direction of travel was from the uh, courthouse I mean, from the detention center directly out to Huntsville Road, uh, to Cox Creek, and then to the Florence Square shopping parking lot. Um, the other thing that I want to make you aware of today is that we have had a warrant issued for Director Vicki White. The charges are permitting or facilitating an escape in the first degree. Uh, that's Alabama Code 13A-2034. So there is an active warrant out for Ms. White, obviously uh, for Casey White. So we're um, in hopes that we'll get some much needed breaks here in the next uh, uh, few hours, uh, few days that will help us locate them and get uh, get them back here to Lauderdale County and get Casey White, especially behind bars. Casey White, as you've heard me say over and over, is an extremely dangerous person. And we need to get him located and get him off the street. So again, thank you for all your help in that. At this time, I want to introduce you to the U.S. Uh, Marshal for the Northern District of Alabama, Marty Keeley. Uh, Marty. Okay, I think I'll leave it right there. Though I will link it into uh, the case uh, description so that you guys can watch the entire press conference if you want to. I. Uh, I want to do a couple of things. I want to give you some background um, on Casey White and why they say he is such a dangerous individual. Right. But I also would like to just finish up. I'm going to wrap up uh, some of the details from the rest of the press conference that have been released that I think are very interesting to note. Vicki sold her house two weeks ago for $95,000. Cash? I don't know. Um, she also was retiring, and Friday was her the date of her retirement. That was her last day? Mm-hmm. Oh. And there was supposed to be a party. Some of the staff members were trying to put together a little retirement party for her, mm -hmm. and they were told to hold off because she needed to uh, transport an inmate first. Oh, my God. Gosh, that's wow. the last they've seen of her. That is some damning extra information. And the fact that they drove directly to that shopping center. Mm -hmm. 
There is no question now that yep. she wasn't involved. She obviously orchestrated this thing. Oh, yep. boy. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So she had bought herself some time because she had said that she was taking him to a mental health evaluation, dropping him off with deputies at the courthouse. And then she was going to the doctor because she wasn't feeling well. Yeah. And so I think that she was hoping that would just buy her a little of it you know, extra time thinking that, okay, she's going to be gone a while and then she'll come back and whatever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, none of that was true. There were no appointments scheduled. So. But it sure worked. I mean, they didn't really like verify that they were missing until three 30 in the afternoon. So they got a big head start. They had about six hours. Yep. Damn. You can go a lot of places in six hours. In six hours. Yeah. Um, I had read that they believe she's in, they are in her regular car. I kind of doubt it. I, I mean, don't that think he's that stupid. Stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would bet there's a, a car that isn't connected to her in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That just doesn't, that doesn't track with, especially being a law enforcement officer. She would know. Yeah. That they would That's catch her in her car quickly. My thoughts too. So let's talk a little bit about Casey White. Yeah. Casey is 38. He is 6'9. Dude's nearly seven Holy feet tall. Holy crap. Wow. Mm hmm. Uh, he's white or white Hispanic. He has hazel eyes, dark hair. However, these wanted posters that went out by the U.S. Marshals are kind of frustrating because this is what he currently looks like. Yeah. That's what I thought, is that he's currently bald. In fact, these are the most current pictures of him, where he has a little facial hair, which he may or may not have. So I think it's important to look at both pictures. Well, and those ears are pretty distinctive. Yeah, they are. And the tattoo, yeah, he's fully sleeved on his right arm. Yep. And he's nearly seven feet tall. Yeah, he'd be tough to miss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. And that face. He is chilling. He is Those chilling. eyes are chilling. Yeah. But she also, this is the picture that law enforcement has released initially, right? This is her, you know, her official uh, police photo. This looks younger than she is now, though, doesn't it? This is what she currently looks like. Yeah. See, that is a, that is a much younger photo, that mm -hmm. first one. It is. It is. So I think it's really important to look at, more current pictures of both of them because frankly if all i saw was this picture of him with the all the hair and the facial hair i would not recognize him as this no he looks much different with his hair and facial hair gone mm -hmm. i think so too so however it does look like maybe he does have a little beard and goatee going now a little bit yeah but not so heavy like the u.s no, marshal not all that hair yeah Certainly doesn't have that hair on his head either yeah i mean those descriptions those are really important at this point the fact that he's that tall to me is really important at this point heck yeah he's gonna stand out mm -hmm. yeah so i want to talk a little bit more about who is this dude right yeah. Yeah. okay as we know he's actually awaiting trial due to the murder of connie ridgeway and I'm going right. to talk about that. But I want to tell you a little bit about 
the charges he had before that because he was already in jail for 75 years. Oh, my God. He was arrested in December of 2015 for a crime spree that covered two counties, one in Alabama, one in Tennessee. It started with an armed home invasion. Two vehicles were hijacked at gunpoint. One victim was shot in the arm. That was followed by a chase where speeds of more than 100 miles per hour were reached. It ended with a stolen car stuck in a field south of Huntsville when he was finally arrested. Mm -hmm. So then he, after he was arrested, he moved through the court system and, you know, racked up some pretty heavy uh, charges and sentences. Yeah. And then wrote a letter and sent it to the police, uh, to the sheriff's office, and admitted to the murder of Connie Ridgway. So who is Connie Ridgway? Well, Connie Ridgway was a lady that lived in Rogersville, Alabama. She's 58 years old, had two sons, uh, a lady that was well-known in her community as a very, very kind and beloved person. This is Connie and her boys. Mm -hmm. And this happened in October of 2015. So just two months before the crime spree that put Casey White in prison. So apparently she was found in her apartment and she had been stabbed to death. And police have been working on this case for a long time. Uh, well, for three years at that point. That's a long time to me, but <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah. Because I mean, if they don't identify and catch somebody quickly, they might not ever. Yeah. So again, she was found stabbed to death in her apartment and people were just astonished. They still hold a community vigil every October for her. And, but the case was pretty cold. They have worked and worked and worked it. They have done you know, as many forensics as they could come up with. The thing about Casey is that he said some things in his letter that uh, nobody knew. He described some things about the crime scene that nobody knew. Okay. And so they took that letter and some evidence into a grand jury. And the grand jury said, hell yes. So he was charged with two counts of murder one in the admission of a crime because it was also a burglary. Uh, and the other uh, basically amounts to being uh, charged with murder for hire. He claims he was paid to murder Connie. They have, however, been unable to prove that or prove who paid him to murder Connie. But that's the crime that has everyone so up in arms. I mean, he'd already done a bunch of bad shit and was right. in prison for ever. And I don't know what his rap sheet looked like before that, but I'm going to guess that there were some pretty good things already on it. Oh, I'll bet. To get that amount of sentence, that deep of a sentence that he, yeah. he mm -hmm. was not a first time contestant. There's no way. No. Um, so, but this is the capital case that we're talking about that uh, makes him such a dangerous person is Connie Ridgeway. So that's still yeah. weaving, through, weaving through the courts at this point. And so... Of course, enter Vicky. There have been some people 
who have said anonymously to the Hidden Shoals. Uh, the Hidden Shoals is a, a good Lord. It's a blog. <laughs> it's a blog. I want to call it a blog cast really bad. That's not even a thing. It's a blog. Um, here's what they said. They said that Vicki had lived her entire adult life, either in Rogersville or Lexington, just right in that direct area. Mm-hmm. At some point, she'd married a man named Thomas White. He was a carpenter that was seven years older than her. And they were only married for about four years, and she divorced him because of his drug use. However, they stayed good friends and she was always uh, there to help him if he needed it and help out with his care because he ended up with Parkinson's disease. Mm. Well, he died in January. And it was right after he died that she announced that she was ready to retire. So it makes you wonder, was there already something going on here? Mm -hmm. Is this an act of grief and... Some kind of catalyst. Yeah. Obviously, she's formed some kind of relationship with Casey White. Mm-hmm. Well, Why? Casey returned to the Lauderdale Detention Center uh, just two weeks after Tommy died. Okay. Yeah. And he returned there like he'd been there before? He'd been there before. Yeah. Okay. She, she had known him in the past from being there. Yeah. So there's history here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, which just really makes you wonder. Yeah, really does make you wonder what her state of mind is it, right yes. now, because this is so out of character for her. It is. I mean, she divorced a man for his drug use. Right. And you don't think she'd go on the run from the cops with a suspected murderer. Well, right. really, with a confessed murderer. He has yes. confessed. He's yes. not been convicted yet, but he has con- confessed. Yeah. Of his own volition. I mean, he sent the police a letter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could have said, hey, could you come talk to me? I'm in prison. I'm, you know, over in this jail now. So why don't you come, you know, whatever. Right. That's just, yeah. that's, that's a, such a huge character shift. It is. It's just very, it, it's such a huge character shift that you really do have to wonder what in the world is going on in her head. Uh, especially just because she was an exemplary employee. She was a friend of everyone. I mean, she was a great supervisor. How yeah, her? Exactly. Hmm. The Hidden Shoals also had said that they had, uh, maybe it wasn't the Hidden Shoals. I think it was. Had said that uh, anonymously, some people who had worked with her previously said mm-hmm. that she did have a bit of a history of being a little too friendly with some of the male inmates. Um, and that male inmates that uh, became her favorites in some way would get uh, a little better uh, treatment, maybe a little better uh, positions or, you know, mm-hmm. perks and things like that. And so it's it sounds like maybe this isn't new behavior as much as the uh, sheriff's department wants to say it is, because obviously uh, they don't want too much egg on their face. The fact that this happened and no one asked any questions, the fact that a single singular uh, female officer was taking a man that of that size that is charged with a capital crime alone is a huge violation of their own policy. Nobody batted an eye, which means that this happens there, you know, 
Well, and she's the supervisor over all the transport. Yeah. So I'm sure that her employees were like, well, we can't question her. She's the boss. Mm -hmm. Just makes you wonder how many times she's already done this. Yes. I would like to know how many other times she's transported him alone. Yeah. And history of this, they're not going to say, you know, yeah, they're not going to say not. Yeah. But, um, have they, has she transported him alone before to mm -hmm. who knows where a hotel, her house, some yeah. other no tell them place. I mean, it just not makes you wonder. Cause she's the one that would know if there was an evaluation or something. And so you'd think, okay, they're not going to question her. Mm -hmm. She's the boss. She's the one who knows. Yeah, she probably has done this before. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the, going on the run, but taking right. an inmate alone like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure does make you wonder. So now, yeah. of course, the U.S. Marshals are involved. They have promised a $10,000 reward, which I think is kind of laughable, to be honest. But yeah, that's not much. That's not much. That's going to come way up. But mm -hmm. uh, for you know, for information leading to the rest of them, they're not in Alabama anymore. They're long gone. They had a six hour mm -hmm. head start. They could be in Mexico. I, it makes you wonder. It, that's my thought is that. I'm guessing she had an armload of cash. Yeah. And has planned this from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Knowing, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. It does make you wonder. Now they are throwing their best at it, you know, and of course, uh, not only do they really need to get Casey off the streets because he's capable of absolutely anything at this point, but she's the one with the gun and the badge and, you know, also obviously will do absolutely anything at this point. Yeah. Yeah. She's lost her center for sure. Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'd blame it on menopause, but she's a little bit old for menopause. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. It is so strange, though. Not that think. all women in menopause, you know, completely lose their minds such as this, but no. she's really not okay. She isn't. No, she isn't. Something is... I mean, to have worked in, in the correctional system for 25 years, mm -hmm. she knows who she's dealing with here. Mm -hmm. She's personally taking a huge risk. Mm -hmm. Who the hell knows? I mean, he's desperate to get out and get away. He's yeah. probably filled her out. He'll filled her head full of all kinds of bullshit. Well, you know, it seems to me like she's lived a pretty lonely life, a pretty lonely existence. And it sounds like it. Mm -hmm. Her ex mother-in-law, Frances White, uh, is dumbfounded. Said that she's an extremely kind person, a wonderful person that she would never in a million years suspect of doing something illegal and, or anywhere near as reckless and wild as this. It's very yeah. shocking to the people who know her. That's the thing. She's way out of character, even if she's bent the rules over the years. This is right. so much further than that. This is beyond breaking the rules. This is snapping them in half and throwing them yeah. in the incinerator. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, Connie Ridgway's family is very concerned and upset. Yeah. You know, because they want justice, for God's sake. And now this fool's on the run. Yeah. They waited for three years for an arrest. Finally got it. 
And now because of COVID, it's marched very slowly through the courts and they're not in a huge hurry because he's already incarcerated forever. So, you know, they've got all the time, but at any rate, uh, you know, they, they are very upset and, and want justice. And also everyone wants her back in one piece, you know, yeah. At this point, even though she's clearly uh, really screwed up here, her colleagues she's... still really want to see her come back there safe and sound. They're very concerned. She's in an extreme amount of danger. She Whether is. she believes that or not, she and is. She clearly does not see that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going to prison. I mean, yeah. you can't break an inmate out like that. Oh, my gosh. The charge. Is it federal charges? I'm not sure, so but it's... I'm not sure. It's a it's major felony. Yeah. It's really bad. Yep. Yep. So that's what we know. Do you have anything to add or do we pretty much cover the... I think we pretty much covered it. You know, I just... I'm just amazed at the organization that she... I mean, this is planned. This wasn't just on a right. I mean... The selling of the house, the retiring, the setting this up on her last mm-hmm. day of work. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very much orchestrated. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt at all in my mind that this was 100% intentional on her part. Yeah. Well, I'm, definitely. I'm really worried for her because you can't believe anything that he's saying. You know, he's just no. trying to get out of there. And she may have been sucked in and thinks that he's madly in love with her. But, you know, I think that's unlikely. Well, especially if she's got a bunch of cash. Think about this. She's got money. She's got a car. And she has a gun. Yeah. I mean, he could get a lot further away if he just got rid of the police officer that they're looking for that's with her, Mm -hmm. with him, you know? Yep. It's very scary. I do really worry for her safety. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So there you go. So, again, we're recording this episode on Monday. We're hoping that by the time this airs on Wednesday, that these two are in custody. If they are, we'll update the case description, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they had a real good head start. And it sounds like there was no, probably they knew this, but there were no cameras in the parking lot where they left the car. Yeah. Because they've done a big camera sweep and all they found Mm -hmm. was that one intersection. Mm -hmm. That's really unfortunate. Because if they had that and could see what they left in and, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of information there, but it doesn't sound like they have that. Yeah. I'm sure she did know. Yeah. Well, this is all very, very clearly orchestrated by her. I'm sure Mm -hmm. she made sure. Yeah. They were going somewhere with no cameras. Mm -hmm. You bet. You bet. Yikes. Yeah. All righty. Well, Christy, I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for some WTF news. Right. Well, WTF, you guys. We have talked about quite a few crimes that happened uh, recently in national parks, mm-hmm. reserves and stuff like that. And we talked about how there are so many missing people. You know, there's that uh, missing 411 It's all about people going missing in national parks. Well, did you know that there is a serial killer in prison awaiting execution for murdering people in national parks? No. Well, there is. His name is Gary Hilton. This is Gary. 
Oh, God, he's not oh, chilling. He is very chilling. He, okay, let me tell you a little bit about Gary. Gary is known as the National Forest Serial Killer. And he, he, his reign of terror that we know of began in 2007. He was born in 1946. And... There are several deaths that we don't know for sure that that are sort of attributed to him, but he hasn't been arrested for. So he he has four murders all happening in national forests mm -hmm. um, already, but there are several others. So he um, he's sentenced to death in Florida and life in prison in Georgia and North Carolina. Wow. So his first murder that he that we are sure of was October 21st of 2007. He killed um a an elderly couple, um John and Irene Bryant. They were in their 80s and they were hiking in the Pisgah National Forest. Oh my god. And they were missing for about 2 weeks before they were reported missing. They were out hiking and so family didn't necessarily know. Mm -hmm. um, they went looking for them and at one point Irene actually called 911 from her cell phone but the mm -hmm. but the call was dropped and so they never got through on anything um, on November 10th of 2007 her body was found at the Barnett Branch Trail covered in leaves mm -hmm. and uh, on February 3rd of 2008 a hunter found a skull in um, the Nantahala National Forest. And that turned out to be John Bryant. So, oh, wow. Right. So what happened is he killed Irene and then he took John um, on a tour of ATMs, making him withdraw oh. as much money as he could get from him, mm -hmm. get from them, so that um, he could he was robbing them like that was yeah. the main reason mm -hmm. but it seems that he was hip to the whole idea that we have talked about a lot that national parks are a pretty scary place because it would be an easy place to hide a body mm -hmm. so then on december 3rd of 2007 so i mean he's really on a roll here mm -hmm. it was october then december uh 46 year old cheryl dunlap who was from crawford florida um, didn't show up for work one day. Oh. Uh, people thought that was weird. She usually did. And so she was reported missing. And they found her car. It was a Toyota Camry. And they did find it. And then there, there was a big search for her in the, I'm going to try to say this correctly. This is a hard one. Apalachicola. The Apalachicola uh, National Forest on December 16th. There was a hunter that had dogs with him. Mm. He discovered a decapitated uh, body. Oh. Cheryl. Oh, my God. They did confirm her through DNA. And her ATM card had been used five times in Tallahassee. Big surprise. $700 from her account. Yeah. So, uh, then... We have Meredith Emerson. This was on New Year's Day of 2008. 
Uh, Meredith went on a hike on the Freeman Trail on Blood Mountain, which is in Vogel State Park. And apparently some people saw her. She was with her dog. And there was an older man following her in the park. Oh. And on January 3rd, they found a 1995 Chevy Cavalier that had stuff in it that belonged to her. Her water bottle, her dog's leash, a police baton. I don't know if that was hers or if that was Gary's. But Mm -hmm. um, So they did discover that the person that was following her was Gary Hilton. Mm -hmm. He was known as a local drifter with weird behavior and a scary temper. Oh, and he walked his dog along that trail. Oh boy! So they did announce him as a person of interest in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they found her dog wandering around in a Kroger parking lot. It's like oh, he kept the dog. Yeah, he kept the dog. Oh. Well, they also found her body, parts of her body, bloody clothes. Um, her ID, a bunch of stuff were found in a dumpster in that area. Okay. Oh, so she was, he was, let's see. He was originally arrested and charged with Emerson's death. And he was given life for that. Mm-hmm. He was trying to avoid the death penalty, basically. But once he'd been charged with, let's see, sorry, it's, it's three different states. And so it gets really confusing. But ultimately, he had been trying to avoid the death penalty. Mm-hmm. But um, eventually was convicted yeah. in a death penalty state. So he's, he's convicted in three different states. So it's, mm-hmm. very, it's very confusing. But... So the, the FBI was all over him. They were the profilers really wanted sure. to talk to him because they're like, what the hell? You know, they believe that they don't believe for one minute that these were his only murders. Nah. He started killing in 2007. He was born in 1946. They're like, how? Nobody waits that long. He right. actually did shoot and try to kill his stepdad when he was like 13. Oh, um, wow. But he didn't kill him. Um, but he did spend some time in a psychiatric facility over that mm-hmm. and kind of lived homeless and um, transient, just kind of moving around for most of his life. He was married several times, could never maintain a relationship. But there are they believe that his earliest victim was Judy Smith. She was killed um, in, in September of 1997. They found um, her personal items and things scattered in a campsite at Pisgah National Forest. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So then they also think that um, uh, a man named Jason Knapp, who disappeared in 1998 at Table Rock State Park in Pickens, South County, Pickens County, South Carolina, who has now been declared legally dead. They did not find his body, but he the situation around his death was really similar. And so they do think mm-hmm. that Gary Hilton killed him. There's Rosanna um, Miliani from Miami, 
Um, people actually saw her in the company of an older white man. They were buying backpacks from a convenience store. Oh, like they were headed out backpacking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Michael Scott Lewis, and that was November 21st of 2007. And his remains were found. He was dismembered um, and his remains were found. But they do think that uh, he was all track. Yeah. Too. He won't admit to anything else. And he is still on death row. Wow. Um, in Florida. Mm -hmm. So we don't know. But we do know that we, in fact, for sure do have a um, national park serial killer. Wow. In 2018, he tried to get his death penalty sentence or his death sentence overturned, saying that his defense team was dysfunctional and ineffective, but that was denied. So <laughs> he's still awaiting execution. He's been awaiting execution for quite a while now, 15-ish mm -hmm. um, years. So wow. now we know there and there may be others, you know, but it is a question about mm -hmm. um, how many serial killers are operating in national parks. Well, mm -hmm. pretty good evidence that there are at least some. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. That is wild. Yeah. It's creepy, dude. Well, guys, this is Wednesday. So we'll be back tonight. Actually, Christy will <laughs> with Kate's updates. Yes. And then she's going to be back Thursday night for the Psychic Hour. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So Katie will be off softball momming it. So mm -hmm. my friend, Dr. JJ Kelly, uh, who is a an emotional intelligence expert, she's a psychologist and a great friend of mine. And she's also mm -hmm. been uh, working with me on some energy healing. So we're going to talk about energy intelligence and emotional intelligence and how those things connect. And you guys are going to love JJ. She's super funny. So yeah. you want to tune in for that. It's going to be great. Yes, it is. All righty. Well, like, share, follow, subscribe. What do you say? All those things. Comments, all of the above. <laughs> Comment. Yep. We appreciate all of your support very much. Thank you so much. This has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.